of where they are spiritually and even emotionally. And you see, that's where God's people, the people of Israel, were before Jesus came. But you know, maybe you're here tonight, and perhaps that, that sums up pretty much how you feel about life. That it's a desert. Maybe tonight you feel as if life is incredibly tough. You feel lonely. You feel dry and empty. You feel as if there's something missing from your life, from the very core of your life. And even worse than that, you don't know what's missing and you don't know where to begin to look to find it. And perhaps you even feel guilty about this. You feel guilty about it because you've got most of, not all of what everyone seems to say you need to have to have a worthwhile life. But for you, it doesn't seem to be enough. And I believe tonight what you need to know is that Jesus is the one, that he is the only one who can transform your life. He's the only one who can bring all those little bits together and can actually make you whole. He's the only one who can fulfill that need that you feel at the heart of who you are. What we're going to do now is we're going to sing together a carol and then a song that speak of of something of what we've just been sharing there. The, The carols as with gladness and then we're going to go on to sing the song Light of the World.
But why is it? That's the question. Why did John the Baptist say that his people then were living in a desert? Why do we feel now that our life at times is a desert? Well, let's hear Matthew's account of the the birth of Jesus, which I believe helps us here. And Davina's going to come now and read to us. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Thank you. So he was given then the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Well, that begs two questions. First of all, what are sins? And then, how does Jesus save us from them? Well, sin is about the fact that as men and women, right back at the very beginning of time, we decided we didn't want to live our life God's way. Now, we decided that that we wanted to be in charge. We wanted to make the rules as far as life is concerned. We wanted to live our life our way. And that rejection of God, that rebellion against God, this leads on to sins. It leads on to us saying and thinking and doing things that are wrong. And I would ask, who would ever say that they've never thought or said or done something that's wrong? But you see, here's the big problem. Our God created a perfect world. And he created that world for us, for mankind. He did it because he loves us. But sin separates us from a God who's perfect and pure. Though he wants nothing more than to have a relationship with us, our sin, our choice to sin, makes that impossible. Sin separates us from God 
It does that in this life, and it leaves us facing separation from God and from all that's good when this life ends. How then does, how did Jesus save us? He saves us as He, the one who is God from before time began, as He comes to this earth as a baby and is born in that stable in Bethlehem. As God becomes man, that greatest miracle of all, as He takes on human flesh and then goes on to model the life that God would have all mankind live, He teaches us, He demonstrates to us how we can live a life that pleases God. And then finally, He dies on a cross. He dies there for us, and He does it because He loves us, because as a man, He's able to stand in our place and take the punishment that our sin deserves. And as God, He gives Himself. He gives His perfect life to pay the price of all our imperfect lives, to pay the price of all our sin. So Jesus then saves us. We are saved as we put our faith, our trust in what he has done for us. And you know, this isn't actually the final word. For not only does Jesus, by the sacrifice, save us from our sin, no, he went on and he rose from the dead. By doing that, showing his power over sin and death and all the powers of evil, the power that he gives that then will enable us as we give our lives to Him and He comes into our life in the power of the Spirit, that will then enable us to live our lives to please Him. We're now going to look at another short film that I think communicates effectively. Can I got a bit of music going in it? But it communicates effectively what, what I've been trying to say. It's a film called When Love Was Born, a song sung by Michael Smith.
What we're going to do just now is we're going to sing a wonderful, reflective Christmas carol, one of the most beautiful Christmas carols of all. We're going to sing Silent Night, and then the group are going to sing to us. They've got two songs prepared tonight, two great worship songs. They're going to sing the first one to us, just straight after we sing. Thank you. Our suffering, the light, the light. 
You know, hearing the, the Christmas story and even understanding the Christian story, the Christmas story and the Christian story, that's not enough. It's not enough just to hear it and understand it. We've got to go on to respond to it. And when Jesus Christ was born and, and during his life, not everybody responded positively either to him or to his message. And we're going to have two readings from Matthew just now. First of all, Sophie and then Faith are going to come and read us something of the kind of response at that time. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, Where is the Christ? Where the Christ was to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler 
who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the wise men secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They then opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realised that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and his vicinity and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel, weeping for her children, and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. You're all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're okay. So why did Herod then, why did he respond so violently to this news that the Christ, the Messiah, was to be born in Bethlehem? Well, you see, because he was the man in power in Israel. Of course, he was working under the Romans who ruled the country, but in terms of day-to-day living, everything else was under him. Everybody was accountable to him, which meant that he lived a life of luxury and privilege. And as for the religious powers in the land, well, he had a nice, cozy working relationship with them as well. As long as they didn't interfere with him, as long as they didn't criticize him or didn't get in his way, then he left them to exercise power in their little corner, in the religious arena. But this talk, though, of a coming Messiah, of a rival power to his power, someone who might speak out against injustice and corruption, Herod didn't want any of that. And the religious powers of Israel, when Jesus later began to preach and teach, well, they didn't like what they had either. Because, you see, they used what they'd made uh, Judaism into, a religion of rules and regulations, they used that in turn to exercise power. But when Jesus came along and taught about God's love and mercy, about God's grace and God's readiness to forgive, when he said that holiness is actually about what goes on in the heart first, that it's about a love for God within that then leads and changes the way that we live, and that without that rules and regulations mean actually nothing. Well, the religious leaders didn't like this. Not one little bit. Because it challenged them personally, and because it threatened their authority of rules and regulations over their people. But some did respond positively to Jesus. We're going to hear about that and then sing a carol that reminds us of those who are concerned. Um, And the reading is from Luke chapter 2 and Davina is going to come and share that. And then we're going to sing while shepherds watch their flocks by night. Um, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring to you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. We're going to sing while shepherds watched their flocks by night. Now you see, it's, it's significant, I believe, that Jesus was born of an ordinary mother into a very ordinary family. And that the people who God chooses to send his angels to, to announce Christ's birth, that these men were shepherds, very much ordinary working men, in fact, because of their occupation and that, that this led them to having to, to wander the hills searching grazing for their sheep. Well, they actually had a reputation for being kind of light-fingered, if you like, you know, that 
when the shepherds passed by, people would often say, you know, that something has gone astray from the house or the field. Morally then, shepherds were kind of seen a little bit as being out on the edge of the society. So when Jesus then came for ordinary men and women and demonstrated it in this way, for those who actually were ready to admit their need of him and respond to him with joy, then that shows God has a heart for the ordinary men and women. Ordinary people, less than ordinary in some ways, are close to God's heart. And the three wise men who search for Jesus, well, they might not have been ordinary men, but what's crucial is the fact that these men were hungry for God. They sought God. And God is always there, always waiting to be found by those who seek him, by those who have a hunger in their heart for him. And those who find Jesus, those who realize who Jesus is and realize just what Jesus Christ has done for them, what God has done in Christ for us all, without exception, when people find Jesus, they rejoice. Now, in a few minutes, we're going to sing a great carol that expresses that sense of joy, heart the herald angels sing. But before we do that, we're going to express our worship practically as we bring our offering to God. And after we've sung that, that carol, we're then going to get the group up to sing another lovely, lovely worship song. So we'll come now, though, and bring our worship and our giving to God. pray. Father, we want to thank you that we have an opportunity tonight to worship you not just in song, but to worship you with our giving. But more than that, we have an opportunity to worship you with all that we are, just by offering our lives afresh to you that we might be used for your glory. Lord, take the money, take all that it symbolizes Use it to bring the good news of Jesus to needy men and women. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to express our worship now as we sing Heart the Herald Angels Sing, and then I'm going to ask the group, they're going to stay up and they're going to sing to us again.
We've got some great musicians and great singers here. What a privilege it is to be led into worship of Jesus by them tonight. Just a real privilege. But the big question tonight is really where do you stand tonight with Jesus? How are you going to respond to him? You know, there's only one right way to respond to Jesus Christ. And John sums it up right at the very beginning of his gospel. We're going to have that read to us just in a moment or two. Then we're going to look at a short film that I think kind of draws together a lot of what's been said tonight. The reading is from John chapter 1. Sophie's going to read it. We'll see the film and we'll move on from there. Thank you. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born out of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Another year, another Christmas, another year of getting caught up in buying more stuff, another year of going to more Christmas parties or traveling more miles to visit more family members. Another year, another Christmas. We hope this year will be different. We hope for some sense of wonder or peace or joy. But what if the answer has been there all along? What if there's a child in a manger who really is worthy of our adoration? And what if that child is unlike anything we've ever experienced? What if that child holds the key to wonder, peace, and joy? What if the answer's been there all along? And what if the answer is a person? And what if we're invited to discover him? This Christmas season, the truth is sitting there, waiting to unfold. In the blurred chaos and the obscured expectations, the truth is here. He's been here all along. (laughs) The answer then is Jesus Christ. The answer has always been Jesus, and it always will be Jesus. We're now going to finish by singing together a final carol. I pray as an expression, a true expression tonight, of our response to God's gift in Jesus Christ. We're going to stand and sing finally, O come, all ye faithful.
Father, that's when life fits together. That's when life is all that you intended it to be. When adoration and worship of Jesus Christ stands unchallenged at the very heart of our lives. Father, may we be a people lost in wonder, love and praise. May your glory shine out of our lives. And this we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen.